I'm excited to get to share tonight. Um, today is Pentecost, and we get to remember so much of what launched the church. As Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit, and this was, this was the day when the Holy Spirit came and fell upon them. Uh, Pastor Duane spoke a great message this morning. I didn't get to hear it because I was preaching elsewhere, but I, I read through his notes, and it was good. Uh, and I, I heard some, some feedback and heard good things about his message. If you did not get to hear his message, by all means, listen to it. You can get it on YouTube tomorrow. Um, just look up Res Life Church, and then you can find it. It'll be up there, and it is really, really good. I'm going to continue talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to try not to do his notes. They were good, but I didn't steal them. And so it'll be different material, so you can go and check that out on YouTube. But I have to start, I think he actually touched on this, but I got to start somewhere similar. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So I want to kind of start this looking at Jesus. He's my favorite one to look at, which is kind of good because he's the best. And as I looked at him, I think about his life and I think about like, I want to watch his life and I would love to be able to like travel through or just look through time. If I could just look through and just watch it, it would be oh so much fun because the Bible tells you the different stories of things that happened, but hearing a story from one person's perspective and sitting in it, like soaking in it and watching it and experiencing it are so different. Like I, I want to be there. Could you imagine being there when Jesus walks up to somebody who is completely blind? You got a couple of these guys that have been yelling, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. And he, he walks up or he invites them up and says, what do you want? And they're like, I want to see. And he prays for them and they see. Like, what does it look like when someone who's never seen all of a sudden can see? Like there's this overwhelming sensation of light, of color. Do you remember your way home or now that you can see, are you confused because you went by the field? Like, what does it look like when you begin to watch this person? How do they respond when they've had this encounter with God? What about when he was in the, the synagogue and there was a guy with a hand who, whose hand had never worked and he says, stretch out your hand. What did that guy's face look like? Was that man excited or was that man annoyed that Jesus would make such a comment? Did he stretch it out with great faith or did he stretch it out being like, look at my hand. It works. Like, what was... What was his shock? Was, it, was his shock or was he so excited? Was it just his faith that Jesus saw, that, that Jesus spoke to as he began to move? What would it have been like to be there when Jesus is teaching and he's healed so many people that it filled the house, that it filled out by the door, that it filled up the windows and people wanted to get in so bad that they climbed up on the roof and ripped the roof off? They begin to lower somebody. Like, what would it be like to be sitting there listening to Jesus and then dust starts falling on you? You're like, what's going on? What are you doing? And then like those guys starts lowering down. You're like, what? And like, and then Jesus tells him that his sins are forgiven and then tells him to pick up his mat and go home. And like, if he hasn't been walking in that long, if he can't move, does he have any muscles left on his legs? Are they just like twigs? When Jesus told him this, did like muscles appear? Or did, did it like, he step up on twigs? like in the power of the Holy Spirit and start to walk and like muscle begin to grow over the next few weeks. Like, I don't know. I wasn't there and he didn't tell me. But like, there's so many of these cool aspects of it. Like when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and there's, there's a man at the bottom of the mountain who'd encountered his disciples and he had a boy with epilepsy. He had a boy who was suffering from epileptic seizures. That for some reason, that's tough for me to say. Okay, so th this man 
has all but lost hope as he brought him to his disciples and he still isn't better. And Jesus comes down and this, this man begs Jesus and goes, can you do anything? And Jesus' response, it doesn't just restore hope to the man, but he restores hope. He says, if you believe anything is possible. And he goes, I believe. No, I don't. Help my unbelief. And Jesus helps him, meets him right there and sees his boy healed and set free. What did that family look like when it, when it happened? And then you watch, it's just not healings that Jesus did. Jesus did all sorts of different miracles. He did miracles of provision. You, you, you find it, like, what would it be like to be in the crowd when Jesus multiplied bread and fish? Because he did it on two different occasions. Like, when he just made what was not enough, enough. Did that, what, did that, what did that look like? Like, did the basket just not run out? Did he break it and did it just keep breaking into to, to a dozen pieces? Did everyone get like one piece and bite it and the bite just reappeared every time they bit it? Like, what did it look like? Somehow at the end, there was more than what they started with because they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. I want to see it. This is so amazing. He turned water into wine. He needed, they, they, in order to pay a tax, he told one of his disciples, he said, I want you to go fishing. The first fish you catch will have money in its mouth. I need a fish there. But like, it's just, it like blows my mind. That, that, like that's, that's like so abnormal in so many ways. Like, did you, did you put the fish there? Did you know the fish was going to be there? Because both of them take supernatural something because to know what fish, where has a, anyways, that just blows my mind. That he responds to people's thoughts. Throughout the, the, the Gospels, you'll hear Jesus respond to say something. He's, because he knew what they were thinking. He told his disciples things that would happen before they did. And as I go through all these different things, as I look at Jesus, my, life, my, my, my mind is blown. And not only just to, like, I just want to see it. But more than even see it, Jesus says in John 14, 12, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. He will do also a greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. Greater works than that? And like my mind is like, like crashes over itself. I don't know if you've ever like seen it, like there's a whole train of people and first one stops and they all like pile into each other. I feel like that's what my brain does. It's like, yay, 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 what? How? You're Jesus. Like, but, but this, is, this is how. Let's go back. Acts 10, verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Because for most of us, okay, I say most of us, for me, I'll just be honest here. There was this internal thing that says, of course he does awesome stuff, he's God, right? Like there's this, He's got the trump card. He's Jesus. It's like, look, you know, you're, you're laying spades. And he's like, I got the trump. Like, I am Jesus. I am God. I created it. Boom, do what I say. Like, that's like how my mind, like, wanted to picture it. But when he says that I could do greater, that all of a sudden, like, doesn't compute. That doesn't work because I didn't create everything. But when it says that he did everything anointed with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, then if, if it was by the power of the Spirit, not by the power of already being divine, then the same power, when he says that we can receive power by the Holy Spirit, becomes available to me and it changes things. See, Philippians chapter 2, 
Verse 6 says, Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. In Dake's Anodoted Reference Bible, he, he makes this comment. He said the word grasped could easily or should be translated clung to or retained. He did not cling to his divine power and attributes, but laid them aside and came as a man. He emptied himself and came as a man. He walked not in the power of the Trinity, but as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this matters because if he walked as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit, then if he told me to receive the Holy Spirit and that we'd be filled with power, then I can walk in the same power that Jesus walked in. Then nothing that he did is beyond what he called us to do. That nothing that he did is beyond what he is empowering us to be able to do. He said that we would do greater things. He said it is to our advantage that he would go away. This is John 16, 7. For if he does not go away, he will not send the helper. And so I begin to to get this going. He's going to send the helper. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, is after Jesus dies, after he rises again, he's talking to his disciples. And before he he ascends back to heaven, he says this. Um, He ordered them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. He says, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So Jesus walked in power. What power? The power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I want you to go wait because you are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. So the same thing that he walked in, the same power, he's telling them, I'm going to give this same power to you. It's to your advantage that I go so that I can send this Holy Spirit that you need to be empowered with. This is the power that I walked in. And so when he, when he does this, when they do this, when they wait, their lives are changed. So you watch Peter, one of the 12 disciples, who denies Jesus three times when Jesus is betrayed. When Jesus is taken before they crucify Jesus, Peter, he's like, I'm all in. I'm going to fight for him. And this isn't going the way that I thought it's going to go. My expectations, my hopes, my dreams, everything is crumbling. And he begins to deny Jesus and back up. He becomes afraid. But he encounters Jesus alive. And you, do, you, you see them stay gathered, but you don't see anything amazing. And then you see Pentecost, where he encounters the Holy Spirit, and he is filled with power. He is filled with boldness. And then you see this. He steps up. People are hearing what's going on. People start showing up. Now, these are the people that he just denied Jesus to, like, just over a month beforehand. And now he looks at them and he goes, men of Israel, hear these words. And he goes on. He's like, this is Jesus who you guys delivered up, who you crucified, killed at the hands of lawless men. And he just like calls them out. He's like, yeah, I was scared. Yeah, but not anymore. Something about me has changed. And he begins to boldly declare this as his life was transformed. And a lot of times we see this and we're like, well, that's awesome. God gave the disciples the same power that Jesus walked in so that they could spread things. But it's easy for us to disassociate ourselves with the disciples that were 2,000 years ago. But in Peter's message, he says this. 
For this promise, and he's referring to the promise of the Holy Spirit, is for you, for your children, and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. You, me, we are those who were far off. And if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you have declared him to be your Lord, then you are those whom the Lord has called him to himself. And this promise is then for us. And, and, and it comes with so much. And I began, I, did, I started doing a study on this a little while back on just what in all the Holy Spirit brings with him. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit, um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will be your helper, your guide. He'll teach you, remind you, empower you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. He'll declare things to you. He'll transfer things that are from God to you. There's the manifestations of the Spirit, with speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, um, the gift of faith, working of miracles, healing, word of knowledge, words of discernment, the discerning of spirits. And these are, these are a lot of different things. And I, I hear this, and I'm like, wow. And I see all that Jesus did, and I'm like, this is incredible. And a lot of times, we can be grateful for this, but in the wrong sense. We're grateful for it, kind of like you're grateful that somebody suffered through an insane amount of years of school to become a doctor when you need one. Like, you're glad that they did it and that they have the knowledge in order to do it. You're grateful that there's somebody who knows to, how to fix your car when it won't work. You're so grateful that somebody else can make your computer work when it wants to be rebellious. Like, there's so many of these things that we're, we're grateful for and we want someone to have it. We want someone to know it. We want someone to do it. But we really want that to be somebody else. And a lot of times, that's how we approach the Holy Spirit. We're like, yes, God, send your Holy Spirit for the Navy SEALs of Christians. You know, like, they're going to rock this out. And I'm going to rock out the couch. And like, we're like, yes, they are going to do great things. And, and you, know, you know, for like, Pastors need the Holy Spirit. And, you know, probably even the worship leader needs the Holy Spirit. You know, all the people who are going to be on stage, they need the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, evangelists, they need the Holy Spirit. And, and we get this idea that there's like super all-star Christians and then there's the rest of us. But that's, that's actually not biblical. Um, that, that's not the way that it works in the Bible. In fact, that we're all supposed to be living wholeheartedly for Jesus, filled with his spirit, empowered to walk out his plans well beyond what we can do on our own, which is why he gives us the Holy Spirit and his grace to enable us to go beyond our own ability because God's plans are more than what we can do without him because if we could do it without him, we wouldn't need him. Like, it's, it's on purpose that we need the Holy Spirit. He calls us to work with him. He wants to partner with us. We weren't meant to do this on our own. And so as I begin to look at this, I begin to look in the Bible at those that were, that were not the rock stars. Like you, you obviously expect the disciples, those that were literally the ones walking with Jesus to be awesome and you expect them to do great, great things. But one day they're, they're ministering and they're doing awesome things and they're praying for people and they're preaching the gospel and people are getting saved and they're taking care of people and people are, are bringing what they have and sharing it and they're distributing what they've, what they've got. And in this distributing of bread and different things, there comes this complaint that some of the ladies are getting overlooked in the distribution. And they're like, okay, okay, hold up. God called us to this. We want to take care of this too, but we can't do everything all at the same time. So here, here's the deal. 
pick seven guys, and then they put this qualification, that are full of the Spirit to administer passing out bread. Now, when I think of passing out bread, in my mind, it's good. But it is not like this high profile, I need supernatural empowerment to pass out bread. Like, I feel like when I was born, God gave me two arms. And shortly thereafter, I learned how to use them. And with this ability, I feel like I can pass out bread. Like, right? And, and so it doesn't seem that, but, but the requirement was that they would be men, a good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom. So then you look at these seven guys that they, that they appoint, and you hear about two of them in the next couple chapters. One of them is named Stephen. And when Stephen starts doing stuff, it says, that this, this is one of the guys from the bread ministry. It says, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So he's passing out bread. And I don't know how it started. If it was like, hey, you need bread. Oh, is that a limp? Yeah, yeah, I, I hurt my leg. I, I, I fell down the stairs. Oh, that's no good. Can I pray for it? Well, yeah, boom. What? It works! And like, I don't know how it starts, but the, the man who's doing the bread ministry now all of a sudden has a healing signs and wonders and God's working through him wherever he's at. Not on the stage in front of the church, but delivering bread and all of a sudden people's lives are being changed. And then you go watch and, it, and you watch as Stephen goes that, that those that opposed him could not withstand the wisdom of the spirit with which he was speaking. And then you look at Philip. Philip, uh, two chapters later, Acts chapter 8, the apostles are all still in, I, I did some research on this because there's a Philip the apostle and then there's the Philip who got appointed to the seven and I wanted to make sure that they were different. It says that the persecution started arising after, after Stephen was martyred. It says that everybody scattered from Jerusalem except for the apostles. So the apostles stayed put, but um, those who scattered, verse four, preached. Philip went down to the, the city of Samaria. So as everyone's being scattered, Philip's among those who are like, ah, I'm running. But everywhere he goes while he's running, he's like, have you heard about Jesus? You need healed. You need set free. Did you know that God has more for you? And he begins to present the gospel and tell them about Jesus. And when he does, an entire city begins to come to Jesus and their lives are beginning to be changed. And they begin to have signs and wonders that were done. People begin to see it in Acts 8-7. It says, For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. Many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. That's awesome. This isn't the pastor. At this point, he is bread ministry man. Bread ministry man shows up and all of a sudden God just starts working because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't a title that goes, God will working. It goes, let me fill you so that I can use you. And, and he shows up these places and, and God begins to pour out his spirit and they begin to turn to Jesus. And then in Jerusalem, they hear about it and they send some of the apostles to come check on things because the Holy Spirit had not fallen on any of them yet. They'd begin, they'd given their lives to Jesus. They'd been baptized, but they had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate encounter from salvation. And we'll get to that briefly again in a little bit. But this is what I want you to catch. Uh, one more part about him. So after he does this, and they all, the apostles show up, God speaks to him and says, go to the desert road. Now that is not very clear instructions, and it doesn't sound very important. It's not like, go to an awesome city and preach to somebody important. 
go to the middle of nowhere to the road. You're like, most of us, me, would be like, why? Philip's response, okay. And he goes to the road. And he gets there, he's like, okay. And then God's like, see that chariot? <laughs> yeah. Go walk by it. He gets up there and he starts walking by it. And this is what's cool because first, God speaks, he obeys. God speaks, he obeys. And then he's by this chariot and you don't hear God need to speak again because as soon as he's by it, he hears the guy reading in there and he's like, oh, that guy's trying to, re he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he doesn't go, hmm, what do I do? He just instantly, he's like, oh, hey, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand it? It's like, no. How am I supposed to understand it unless someone explains it? And he goes, well, let me. This guy goes, oh, I want to worship Jesus. He hears about it. He, un he, he, he understands the message that Philip explains to him. He goes, I want to be baptized. I want to fill this. Philip baptizes him. This guy ends up going back and taking the word back to where he's from. But Philip, after baptizing him, gets taken up to another city. Now, it, it says that um, the uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, after he baptized him, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went away rejoicing, but Philip found himself at Azotos. I don't know what that looked like. If it was like an angel like picked him up and he was like, bye, like, like carried off. Or if it was like he just opened his eyes and all of a sudden he was somewhere else. The whole like carried him away thing isn't very clear, but it's really cool. But this is what I want you to catch. God spoke. He listened. God moved. If you want to be used by God, one of the first secrets to being used by God is when God speaks, listen. And number two, do what he said. And so he's empowered by the Spirit, and he listens, and then he does. I, I was talking to somebody. Actually, I got to hear both sides of this story the other day, which is which really cool. There was a fella from church, one of our, um, our young guys in college, and he was driving down, actually he was driving down 52nd Street here, and he passed a car that was pulled over on the side of the road, and he just felt God, the Holy Spirit, prompt him and say, go back. So he just, this kid's awesome. So he just, I don't know if he whipped his car around or pulled around the driveway, but he turned around, he went back to this guy. He's like, hey, do you need help? And the guy's over there is like, yeah, my car, it's not working. And so they, they open it up and they begin to figure out they need some um, fluid for the radiator. So they run to the store to go get some stuff. And he begins to just share with this, this young man and he just begins to follow the prompts. And as he does, th this young man ends up going, hey, uh, and He's like, you're, you're like the third person to tell me this. I think it might be important. I think I might need to remember this. The last two people didn't know that they had an impact. But this guy is working on what they already planted. And all of a sudden, this guy, not only is he listening, he goes, can I record this? Because I don't want to ever forget this again. He busts out his phone. He hits record as they begin to have a conversation. And he begins to hear that God still has a plan for him and that God loves him and that God, and he began to hear this and he goes, and by, before this conversation is over, he turns to the guy who stopped and he says, how do I give my life to Jesus? How do I make him my Lord? How do I become a Christian? And the guy goes, let me tell you. And this guy becomes, gives his life to Jesus. 
He goes, how, where do I go from here? And he goes, well, come on, come on to church with me. Here's when we're going to have a service. He starts coming to church. And he goes, I want more. And he goes, well, here, come serve. And, and in a short period of time, he went and he started coming. He started serving. And his life has completely shifted its direction because somebody was willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and turn around and pull over next to someone who was stuck on the side of the road. I talked to somebody else this morning and he was telling a story with me. He said, you know, the other day, he's like, I was so excited kind of. He's like, God told me to give somebody $200. And he's like, we didn't know if we had the money. So it's like, that's kind of scary. But he's like, God told me. And I was like, I'm going to listen. So I told my wife and my wife looked at things. And then she's like, well, we're going to trust God. We're going to do this. God knows what he's talking about. And so we put the $200 check in an envelope and we got this in a card ready for this person. We met them and we're talking to them. And while we're talking to them, this person's like, you know, had this bill that I was expecting. I was expecting the bill to be $56. It came back $256. I don't know what I'm going to do. He looked at his wife. He's like, yes, it was God. He's like, the way to know if it's God is to step out and do something. It was God. And they give her the envelope and she's like, well, what's this? And she opens it and she's blown away because what God had spoken to them, what they stepped out in, in faith and acted upon as the Holy Spirit moved upon them was exactly what she needed. Um, the Holy Spirit is awesome. And it makes a difference in praying for the sick, in preaching. But it also makes a difference in parenting in marriage, at work, and in our daily lives. See, we aren't meant to do this life on our own. We're meant to do our life, uh, we're not meant to do our life apart from him. We're meant to do it hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, with his power, with his wisdom, with his guidance, and with his direction. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11 and 12, says that God gave us these gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, pastors or shepherds, teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. A lot of times we think this is the job, all of this is supposed to be what pastors, preachers, teachers, evangelists do, but it says that their job is to equip every, all of the saints, everybody who's coming to do the work of the ministry. And we often try to like separate this and place all the responsibility on the few, but he says the responsibility of the few is to get everybody else ready to do it. And that all of us need to be equipped with the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times we have like armchair quarterback syndrome. If you've never heard this term, it is the backseat driver of sports. This person who sits on their couch at home, watches the TV and yells at everybody and tells them how to play the game that they're the best in the world at. Just somewhat funny. And some of it's really easy because in hindsight, anybody can tell them what they should have done, but... Um, in the moment, it's a lot harder than it is when you can hit rewind and go try again. But a lot of times we have that same problem in the church where we sit around talking about what somebody else should do while we don't do anything. People get on Facebook to point out everyone else's flaws and what they aren't doing. But if we want to do this, instead of being an armchair quarterback, if you want to type something on Facebook, Get out there and serve somebody, do something and go type the story of what you did and let it encourage and let it inspire other people. Because you can sit out there and you can go whether you want to volunteer with the Dream Center or whether you want to get involved with Res Kids and pour love out on some kid who needs it. I heard 
my, my wife was out there helping out the 1130 service a while back. And she had a student who just was like, oh, someone will, will someone just sit with me? Will someone be next to me? And, and just because she could like lean up against my wife, after just a few minutes, she's like, oh, and just begins to pour out her heart, begins to pour out her story and how she just lost a sibling and how the, there was all of this drama and that she just needed some love. Get out there and do something because see, the Holy Spirit isn't just there. Like he's there to equip you to pray for the sick. He's there to equip you with boldness, but he is there to empower you with God's power to walk out all of God's plans. That's for you to minister to people that are next to you. That's for you to minister to people at work, for you to do your job well, to do your job with his wisdom. See, we are meant to be a window into the kingdom of God. You are a walking window. I don't know if anyone's ever called you that before, but it's actually supposed to be a compliment. So this is how it's supposed to work. When you see a Christian, when you see somebody, the Bible says that we're an ambassador. We're supposed to be a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the world sees me, they should get a glimpse at what life in the kingdom is like. The kingdom of God is not a geographical area. The kingdom of God is the place where God's will is done, where the king's reign is followed. That should happen in me. And everywhere that I go, I should bring a touch of that. You should see God's love. You should see God's power. You should see God's grace resting upon me because that's what I'm called to do as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. That is the call. If you are a follower of Jesus, that's your call. We get to walk as a window. In order to be a good window, we need empowered by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that looks like crazy things like going, hey, I see you're limping. Can I pray for you? Sometimes that looks like going, God, help me be nice to my waiter even when they're not good. Like, honestly, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know the difference it can make. Not saying that they were bad waiters, but I have a story. A few weeks ago, um, Pastor Dwayne spoke. He did a great job. And several people said, hey, I want to follow Jesus afterwards. I got to talk to a few of them. Three of them all worked at a restaurant the pastor's been going to. Uh, I think it was two of them that said, hey, I have served him directly. And I pondered this. I thought, do you know that how he treated his waiter may have determined whether they went to heaven or hell? Because if he had been a jerk, if he had not left them a tip, when they sat down here and they saw, oh, that's the guy that represents him? Do you think they'd want any part of it? The way that he let Jesus flow through him at a restaurant when he didn't know anybody was watching is what opened them up for the grace here. And just because you're not the pastor doesn't mean that when you go, you don't represent Jesus. Because if we follow Jesus, we represent him. And we are a window. This could get messy, so I don't want to get my tablet messy. This is you. Okay. Um, a lot of this, there's a bit of it that you can do. So, we're called to pour out God's love 
on those around us, right? This, this is pretty simple. Jesus told us to love your neighbor. Is this shocking to anybody? If, if it is, Jesus told you to love your neighbor. Now you know, okay? Um, so, so, so here's this. If we're going to go and we're going to represent Jesus and we're going to show him his love and we're trying to pour this out into the world, I can pour out a little bit, right? But if I keep pouring it out and I keep pouring it out and I keep pouring it out, if I'm working really hard at doing this, do you know what's going to happen? I'm going to run out. I'm going to get empty. Um, they call it dry out. They call it burnout. They call it a lot of things, but I can only do so much. But this is what Jesus, well, a lot of the things that we call disciplines, the Bible calls the fruit of the spirit. And he says, if you'll fill up on the spirit, it'll work a little bit different. See, all of a sudden you go, God, I want to be full of your spirit. And he goes, I'll pour in. I'll pour in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And instead of pouring out onto somebody, he goes, you're just going to overflow. And everybody that comes into contact with you is going to have an encounter with me because my presence is all over you. And I better not do more because I'm going to make a mess. But my point is that we can get full of him. And when we're full of him, it's going to make a difference. Let's not make a mess with those. I have more toys, but I want to show you something. All right, so, so Jesus gave us an awesome mission. Jesus told us that we get to carry his love to the world, right? That we get to love people, that we get to tell people about him. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> these might be needed. Now, as you follow Jesus, there's a little bit that you can do, right? And if I was to work at this long enough, I could probably make it through this board like this, right? Or I could do this empowered. Way more fun. I've had people go, well, can't I do a lot of this? A lot of what you're talking about doesn't seem like it necessarily requires the power of the Holy Spirit. You could sit here hacking away at it and eventually you'll make it through this. But Jesus says, I want you to be full and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when my spirit empowers you, what you do can take you so much further. Because for a long time in my mind, I separated the Holy Spirit and I said, the Holy Spirit is there to enable me to do things I could never do. And then finally, like, I begin to see that the Holy Spirit is also there so I can do way better at things I could barely do to start with. I can parent without the Holy Spirit, but nothing like parenting with the Holy Spirit. I can be married, you can get married without the Holy Spirit, but it's a whole lot better with the Holy Spirit. I remember my wife, I love my wife, my wife is amazing, don't get me wrong, and I'm not throwing her under the bus, but there was a time when she was driving me crazy. Um, she was complaining about everything. And so I was like, okay, 
You're complaining about the yard. I'm going to get the yard taken care of. All right, you're complaining about needing help with the dishes. I think it was just after our first kid was born. And so I'm all like, all right, I'm helping with the dishes. Then she's complaining about something in the living room. So I'm like, all right, I'll finish the dishes. Then I'm going to take care of that living room. And like, I was going around in circles and this was going on for like days, weeks. And finally I'm like, I can't do anything else. Like how, what? And I was like, at my wits end, like, God, what? And, and God just goes, stop doing what she's complaining about. Like, that's kind of like not the answer I expected. Like, uh, that is not the problem. That is the fruit overflowing from the problem. She's empty. Go sit with her. Hmm. That was not in my realm of thinking. Like, I was thinking she communicated a problem, so fix the problem she communicated about. But she didn't even know what the actual problem was. She was empty, and so the more that she was empty, the more that she complained about. The more that she complained about, the more things that I did, the less time and focus that she got, the more empty she felt. Without the Holy Spirit, I have no idea how I would have ever figured that out. It may have taken years and a lot of bills and counseling, but the Holy Spirit, in, a, in just a moment, a lot, gave me a window and allowed me to be a way better husband than I could be. I, uh, I was talking to my wife about parenting because all the time she references that parenting, she's like, how do parents parent without the Holy Spirit? And I was asking her for some stories. She said, the other day, the other day, okay, this is like eight years ago, so it's been a while. Um, this was, our first, our first baby was, was little and he achieved his first rollover when he wasn't supposed to. Um, I think she, he was sitting on the bed and she was putting away clothes and there was no sound, but she just like, felt it, heard it, came up inside of her, check on your baby. Like I'm, he turns, and he had, for the first time, managed to roll over and put his head into something soft where he couldn't breathe, and there was no sound. And she was able to pick him up, and he was fine, because she was partnered and listening to the Holy Spirit. I was talking to a mom who told me a story of her young child, like first grade kind of young, who asked a question about heaven and she felt the Holy Spirit tell her he's asking because he wants to die. She's like, oh, like who wants to give their, their first grader that kind of an idea? She kicked back and she wanted to just blow off the comment. And she's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll so why'd you ask that? He's like, oh, I don't know, no reason. He was ready to just go, okay, I did it, I, I did it. And she felt the Holy Spirit said, no. Ask him if it's because he doesn't want to live. Is that because you don't want to live? And the child turned back, broken, and began to explain how he didn't want to live and how his plan for how he was going to end his life. And they were able to discover the problem they were able to get help and to see him through it because they weren't doing life on their own, because they were walking in a power and a grace that was way beyond their own ability. See, because the Holy Spirit isn't just for when you're on stage or when you're dealing with somebody who's sick. While the Holy Spirit does do amazing things in those spots, the Holy Spirit's also for being marriage, for in marriage. It's also for parenting. It can be when 
I got, I got a text from my mom, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago-ish, and she was on a trip with her mom, and they were at a hotel, and they'd been praying, they're getting ready to leave, and my grandma just got a word for the person back there, and it's like, hey, you're, you're hurting here, and, and they pray, for, she's like, well, yeah, I am, and they, so they go, and they, they pray for this person, and this person is healed at the front desk of the hotel. It can be simple things throughout your daily life, and I have, there's, there's so many fun stories. In your daily walk, God wants to be involved. And it can be crazy things that are, are cool. You want to hear crazy things all the time? Look up Mike Benson on Facebook and follow him. Because he will put up a story almost every single week of something where he just said, God, what do you want to say to somebody? Whether it was the person at the grocery store, the post office, the restaurant, something somewhere. I get updates from his daughter all the time, and it is like the highlight of a week. He's like, oh, what was the cool this week? What did God do? But sometimes it's in the simple and it's in the everyday that the Holy Spirit says, because Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will help you. He'll comfort you. He'll guide you. He'll empower you. Last time I checked, all of us needed that. Not just people on stage. We need that to walk out God's plan for us at our, in our house, in our family, in our work, in the places that we go. We need to be filled with his spirit. The Bible says that when we one of the gifts of the Spirit is praying in tongues. It says that when we pray in tongues, and when we begin, it says that we build ourselves up, that it encourages us. It says um, in Jude 1 20, it says, building yourself up in your most holy faith um, and praying in the Holy Spirit. It says that when we spend time with the Holy Spirit and we're praying with Him, it will charge you, it will empower you, it will encourage you, because God has th great things for you, because God wants to be a part of not just your Sundays, but of every part of your life, and He wants you supernaturally empowered with His grace, with His Holy Spirit, to walk out what He made us for, no matter what that is. And He wants to be a part of it. I want to give an opportunity, I want to give two opportunities. I want to give an opportunity for those who don't know Jesus. I want you to encounter my Jesus because my Jesus is amazing and he loves you so much. And if you don't know him, if you have not received the gift of his love and his forgiveness, I want to give you an opportunity to receive that. The band can go ahead and come back up. If you, I want to give you first an opportunity and then I want to give an opportunity for anyone who's here who says, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said to ask and that you would receive. So I want to give an opportunity for all that are here to ask and receive. We're going to lay hands on you. And if you want, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, and we'll give you an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But first, because I don't want them to miss out, if you have not yet made Jesus your Lord, I want to give you that opportunity. So first, if you guys would bow your heads, close your eyes.